What's up, Dolphin fans? This is Aaron Katzker, a.k.a. Aaron the Brain, and welcome to another episode of The Same Old Dolphin Show. Uh, It's been a busy week for both Josh and I, and uh, we're trying to get this in right at the wire here. Saturday morning, and so by the time we get this thing edited and up, it'll probably be late Saturday afternoon, so, you know, you'll have a little bit less than 24 hours to download and listen, but we hope that Uh, We'll get it out in time for you to get your preview on and uh, get all the information that you need and and help get get you excited for this uh, Week 11 matchup of the Miami Dolphins taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you remember, this was a game that was supposed to be played to start the season, but thanks to the hurricane, uh, the game was postponed. Uh, I still believe that this game could have been played. Uh, There were multiple cities that offered their services to allow this game to be played on a neutral site. Uh, The NFL decided that it would be better for the Dolphins to not lose a home game, but because of that decision, both the Dolphins and the Buccaneers lost their bye week, which was supposed to be this week, and now are right in the middle of the 16 consecutive week schedule. And both teams kind of reeling right now could really use that bye week. And so you wonder how wise that was, how fair that was to both of these teams as we come into this matchup with both of these teams struggling. We know the Dolphins struggling mightily. The last three weeks, three primetime games against the Baltimore Ravens, against the Oakland Raiders, and then last week on Monday Night Football against the Carolina Panthers. Three primetime games, and three weeks in a row, the Dolphins come away with an L. And for the second time in three weeks, they were absolutely demolished. And look, the season isn't over. They're four and five. They could win this game, and the AFC is wide open, and even though the schedule is tough, look, there's a way to get into the playoffs. It just doesn't look very hopeful at this point, and it never does when you lose three in a row, and one win can can often change the way things look. Uh, so so I don't want to sit here and say that the season is over, uh, but for me, the season is over. Because for me, what this season was about was this season was about the Dolphins taking a step. It was about building off of what they did last year. The moves that the Dolphins made in the offseason were moves that said that we didn't want to take a step back. We wanted to continue to build off of what we had and we wanted to make the playoffs and make some noise, possibly get around further into the playoffs. Now, Like I said, that's not out of the question. It just looks wholly unlikely. And with the injuries, obviously, you know, Ryan Tannehill's not coming through that door. 
he's he's not going to be suiting up this year. I don't know that Ryan Tannehill would make the difference on this team. I I think he, I think what this season has proven is that Ryan Tannehill is a valuable asset, is an upgrade over guys like Jay Cutler and Matt Moore. Uh, so it's kind of been, you know, his his value has been measured measured by his absence, because with him not there, you see how this offense has struggled, and it's mostly been the same guys that have been back. So the the one key ingredient, the one key component that's been missing is Ryan Tannehill. And so it makes you wonder just how big of a piece, just how valuable Ryan Tannehill is. And, and this season has gone a long way towards proving that he is quite valuable. But even with Ryan Tannehill uh, set to come back next year, you still got major question marks. Uh, you still got unsolidified questions on the on the offensive line, unanswered questions on the offensive line. Mike Pouncey has not been the same player this year, and there was talk last year about his injury being possibly career-threatening, and then the talk this offseason as they were bringing him along slowly was that they were going to take it easy with him uh, over the course of the week in practice because they wanted him to play in games, and... Whatever they're doing, look, he, he's playing, but he's just not playing to the level that we have grown accustomed to seeing from Mike Pouncey. And so that leads you to believe, look, we, we've got a question at center going forward. Uh, Juwan James has been all right at the right tackle, but now he's hurt. Laramie Tunsil has had his problems adjusting to left tackle. He's been okay, but he's not been nearly as good as he was at guard last season. So you've got questions on the offensive line. Obviously, they've been kind of patchwork at the guard position in general with Jermon Bushrod and with uh, you know a litany of guys that now will be led by Ted Larson. But these are just journeyman guys. These aren't long-term solutions. So the offensive line has struggled. Obviously, you traded away Jay Ajayi, Pro Bowl running back, Kenyon Drake has looked good. Damian Williams has had flashes. So uh, you, you think maybe they could piece things together there. You see kind of what Adam Gase wants to do with this offense, and he wants it to be more of a pass-first offense. So he wants his running backs to be more of the, the versatile variety, the guys that can make plays out of the passing game as well as the running game. But he seems to put... Uh, more of a premium on guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. So it looks like Kenyon Drake, and look, it's no surprise, they they drafted Kenyon Drake in, I believe, the third round the first year Adam Gase was here. So it's obvious that Adam Gase liked what he saw in him, and, and now you're finally seeing it. You know, the last two weeks he's broken a couple of big runs. He's got that big play ability, and he's able to catch the ball out of the backfield. So even though... I do think the Dolphins will miss a guy like Jay Ajayi, especially when you have those short yardage situations or if, God forbid, this team ever has a lead in the fourth quarter and you want to kind of run out the clock and you want to play that that four-minute offense where you can just kind of move the sticks and lean on your running game to milk the clock and really seal the deal, that's going to be hard for this team to do without 
a guy like Jay Ajayi. But Kenyon Drake has given room for promise. And then at the wide receiver position, you've got some talent. We haven't really produced very much. And again, that may go back to the quarterback. But we've got questions about Jarvis Landry. Is Jarvis Landry going to be here long term? He's a guy that has been very vocal about wanting it. Well, maybe not he has been vocal, but his agent has been vocal about him wanting a contract. The Dolphins have yet to give him that contract. They tabled discussions this offseason. And we'll see what happens going into the offseason. But you're talking about, look, if he's not an elite receiver, he is just outside of the fringe of elite receiver. He is, if not just an elite receiver, period, he is an elite slot receiver. He's great at what he does arguably the best in the business at what he does as far as catching the short to intermediate passes and getting yards after catch, making things happen. Also a great blocker. Uh, Jarvis Landry, I think a guy that most Dolphin fans would love to see retained. But as we come down the stretch of this season, We've got to see that Jarvis Landry can can kind of take on the leadership role because he's the guy that uh, a lot of fans looked to and said, well, who's the leader of this team when Tannehill is out, at least on the offensive end? And Jarvis Landry is that vocal guy. And Jarvis Landry, you expect to be that leader. Obviously, Adam Gase could be the leader in the locker room from a coaching aspect, but who's that leader on the field? When Ryan Tannehill goes out, and Jarvis Landry's supposed to be that guy, and with Jarvis with Jarvis Landry as that guy, the offense has struggled. Now, the offense has scored some points the last two weeks, um, and and they've looked better at times. There's been some flow, but you know it, it's been inconsistent, and you wonder. You know, would they have even scored as much as they scored last week had they not been just absolutely be, being killed on the other end of the ball, having to play catch up and how much of it was Carolina's defense relaxing. And then the week before, uh, you know, when they really had an opportunity with their offense to take control of the game, they had two drives against Oakland in the fourth quarter with good field position and they were unable to do a thing. So... There's been some encouraging signs with this offense, but ultimately it, it really hasn't flourished. And it's not fair to say that uh, the offense has made this big leap since the since the Jay Ajayi trade, which I know a lot of fans were hoping to see that, you know, you get rid of Jay Ajayi, the supposed cancer in the locker room, and all of a sudden everybody comes together and... They're able to run Adam Adam Gase's offense the way that he wants it, and they're going to be putting up points. But it, it really hasn't worked out that way. They, they've shown signs. They've shown flashes. But they've been inconsistent. And I think part of that is, you know, frankly, it's an, it's an inability to run the football consistently between the tackles. You can get a big play here and there, but you're not getting a consistent running game, and that's putting the onus on Jay Cutler, who... Look, we've seen this in Jay Cutler's career. If Jay Cutler doesn't have a good running game and you're expecting Jay Cutler to throw the ball 30 to 40 times a game, he's just not going to carry an offense consistently. And on top of that, the offensive line 
is shaky at times. You know, sometimes they put a couple of good stretches together, but then you, you get down to it and they, they 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 have a breakdown in protection. All of a sudden, you're in second and long, third and long. Jay Cutler not good enough to get you out of that, and and the offense fails. And that and that's what we've seen really all season, but we've seen it again the last couple of weeks. Whether Jay Ajayi has been there or not, it really hasn't made a difference. The bigger problem and probably the bigger story is what has happened the last three weeks to the Dolphins' defense because prior to these last three weeks, the Dolphins looked like they had a top 10 defense. I went as far as saying that this was a legit defense. The last three weeks, this has been one of the worst defenses in the league, and it reminds me of last year. Last year, the Dolphins' defense was one of the, was one of the surprises of the team the first half of the year. And then as, as the season wore on, the defense was just giving up 400, 500 yards like it was nothing. And the last three weeks, that's what we've been seeing. That's what we've been seeing. And it hasn't just been the pass defense. It hasn't just been the big play. They've been getting gashed on the ground. The D-line is getting handled. Uh, and Dominican Sue is a little bit banged up. So you wonder how much that has to do with it. William Hayes has been a little bit banged up. So they've had some injuries, but these guys have been playing through it. And their presence just hasn't been felt. And you've got three games in a row against... And Look, Oakland's got a pretty good offense, but two of the last three games, the offenses that they've played, Baltimore and Carolina, these are below-average offenses. And they've had their way with the Dolphins' defense. So you look at this Dolphins' team right now, and you try to convince yourself that the season's not over because they're 4-5 and five and they've got a 3-6 and six team coming in to play at home and this is a chance to get back to 500 and potentially save the season. But you look at the team and you say, what does this team do well? We don't run the ball well. We don't pass the ball well. The blocking is shaky. So the offense is bad. The defense is was strong at stopping the run, but the last three weeks has been bad. The secondary was a weakness coming into the season. We thought maybe, you know, with the uh, with the development of Xavier Howard and Cordrea Tankersley, that maybe they were they were going to put it together, and that the secondary would be would be better. Uh, they showed signs over the first half of the season, but the last three weeks, really, you can go back to like the last five or six weeks. Xavier Howard has been bad. He's been getting torched. And Cordrea Tankersley, he's just been okay. So the corners have been bad. Um, you got, uh, you know, look, Rashad Jones is a stud back there. Like He had a bad game a couple of weeks ago, but, but Rashad Jones is one of the elite safeties in the league. He's one of the few guys on this team that I look at and I say, well, this is a guy that I would like to be in a Dolphins uniform for, for the remainder of his career, or for at least the foreseeable future, the next five, six years. This is a guy that's really, uh, look, he, he came in with the Dolphins, drafted by the Dolphins, and he has been an absolute stud, and he's been everything that, that the Dolphins would want, but he can't do it on his own. They brought, uh, they got McDonald back off a of suspension last week. That didn't make a lick of difference, as they were absolutely scorched by Carolina last week. So, what does this team do well on defense? 
I don't know that they do anything well on defense. And so you start to look, well, they're bad on offense. They're bad on defense. They don't run the ball well. They don't stop the run. They don't pass the ball well. They don't stop the pass. Maybe they're one of the worst teams in the league. Their point differential would certainly tell you that. Their point differential, I believe, fourth worst in the league. I believe only the the Giants, the Browns, and the Colts are the only teams in the league with a worse point differential than the Dolphins. The Colts are three and seven. The Giants and the Giants are one and eight. And the Browns, I don't even think the Browns have won a game. I think the Browns are still defeated. I don't think the I think the Browns are still yet to win their first game, which is, uh, which goes to show you it could always be worse. Uh, you know, it, it's tough to be a Dolphins fan, but it pales in comparison to being a Browns fan. I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like to have to root for that team year in and year out. But that's the Dolphins side of things. There is another team in this game, and that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, again, had to go through the same thing the Dolphins did with losing the week one game, losing the bye week, and having to play 16 games in a row. And they came out of the gates kind of hot, winners of two of their first three. But then the wheels kind of fell off. And the Buccaneers dropped five in a row and looked bad doing so. Jameis Winston um, was shaky, kind of up and down, and then he got a shoulder injury. And so he's been replaced the last couple of weeks by Ryan Fitzpatrick. That is still the case this week as Fitzpatrick will start. And this week we actually had uh, allegations surface. Uh, Remember, Jameis Winston had a much publicized sexual assault allegation when he was in college, when he was a Heisman candidate. Um, you know, you had a, a girl accuse him of, of rape in Tallahassee. And, you know, he was, he was ultimately exonerated. Uh, no charges were brought. And we thought, well, okay, that's going to be kind of the end of things. And then a couple weeks later, he had the whole thing with uh, he had supposedly stolen crab legs from Publix. So there were certainly character issues when Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston entered into the league out of college. But that said, he was still the number one pick. So uh, at least the Tampa Bay front office believed that these kinds of problems were behind him. He had grown from them. He had matured. And now you get these allegations that back in March of last year, he groped an Uber driver. And uh, that's really been the story of the week for Tampa. Uh, probably a much unwelcome distraction to a team that, after losing five in a row, came up with a big win, even though their season is virtually over because when you're three and six in the NFC, you're pretty much dead in the water. Um, but you know, this was a team that was thinking, look, we're, we, we've got to try to put together a winning streak to try to save our season. And now we've got, uh, you know, our, our star quarterback, our starting quarterback, our franchise guy being accused of another sexual assault. So it's been a tumultuous week for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
On the football end of things, look, Jameis Winston isn't going to play this week, and the coaches are saying it's because of the shoulder. It is not. It does not have anything to do with these allegations. On the football side of things, the Buccaneers' offense over the last few weeks, this offense has been worse than the Dolphins. The Dolphins' offense, even though it hasn't been great, has kind of shown signs. No team has been worse offensively over the last three weeks than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, scoring just 28 points over the last three weeks and gaining just four yards a play, worst in the National Football League. On the other side of the ball, uh, the Buccaneers' defense has been has been up and down. Their, their defense has been okay, uh, but but not great. So... Let's let's break this down real quick. When the Dolphins have the ball, offensively, look, it's clear what the Dolphins want to do. The Dolphins want to want to throw the ball using the short pass as kind of a replacement, maybe a complement to the running game. They're going to need that in this one because the Buccaneers, uh, they've been a top ten run defense. Uh, at, only allowing 3.6 yards per attempt from their opponents, and they've been pretty consistent with it. They've, they've got a strong D-line led by Gerald McCoy. Uh, they are a very solid run defense. Where the, where the Buccaneers have struggled a little bit at times, it's it's in their secondary, uh, but the Bucs try to get pressure on the quarterback to try to help out that secondary, and... The Dolphins will try to exploit that that Buccaneers secondary, and they've got the weapons to do so. Um, one of those weapons, though, we're, we're not sure. He, Kenny Stills looks like he's going to be a game-time decision. He got hurt during Thursday's practice and has been questionable. He did not practice on Friday. Kenny Stills says that he expects to play so far, Adam Gase has been non-committal on it, so it looks like we're heading for a game-time decision. But if the Dolphins are going to have any chance of moving the ball in this game, I think they're going to have to do it through the air. I think it's going to be, it's going to need to be Kenny Stills. It's going to need to be Jarvis Landry, and it's also going to need to be uh, Devontae Parker, who uh, was was in the news this week as the offensive coordinator came out and said that. He doesn't think that uh, that Devontae Parker has been playing with the same edge that he was playing with during training camp and coming into the season. Now, you remember uh, it was a banner training camp and preseason for Devontae Parker. A lot of people calling for the big-time wide receiver to have his, his breakout year. Uh, he was obviously he was highly drafted a couple of years ago, has battled some injuries and has shown flashes, but has yet to have that real breakout season. And so far this year, look, week one, he came out, he made some big plays, he looked really good. It looked like we were well on the way to seeing that breakout. And a couple weeks into the season, he gets hurt again. And he he missed a couple of games. Uh, he he's been dealing with that injury, that ankle injury. He hasn't been a hundred percent, and you wonder how much of that has kind of derailed this quote unquote edge that the coaches want to see him play with. Now, maybe by him being called out, 
this is going to be the impetus for him getting that edge back. I sure hope so because I think he's one of the real elite receivers in the league from a talent perspective. I think this is a guy that can really go off. And you've seen it. The the weird thing about the season that Devontae Parker has had is that he really only had the one big game. And it wasn't like a, a huge game, but I think he had like 70 or 80 yards in the opener against the Chargers. But in every game that he has played, the complete game, that's every game except for the Tennessee game, which was the one where he got hurt early in the game, he surpassed 60 yards. So he's he's a guy that, if he's playing every week, is looking like a 1,000-yard receiver. But it hasn't really been like, throughout the course of every game, he's standing out. What it's been is garbage time. The, the Dolphins fall behind, the game is over, and then that's when... They seem to make the concerted effort to go Devontae Parker's way. And what I want to see is, look, this might be a case where this might be a guy that you kind of need to force feed a little bit and that you kind of need to get him involved early to get those juices going. You want him to play with that edge. Maybe you got to get him involved early and often. There's been a litany of receivers like this in the past, even even guy, even elite receivers like some of the best ever, like a guy like Randy Moss. This was one of the criticisms that that he took throughout his career was that he was a guy that if you could shut him down in the first quarter, you had him for the entire game because he would just fall out of it. He would just, you know, he would lose that edge. He would lose that competitiveness, that desire. And, you know, maybe Devontae Parker is kind of the same way. Maybe this is a guy that, look, you need to game plan to premiere him early Get him involved, get him engaged, and then you've got him for the rest of the game because that's not a weapon that you want disengaged. That's a weapon that you want to use early and often, and you want, even if you're not using him, to be a threat to the opposing defense. So you really hope that the Dolphins find a way to get that edge out of Devontae Parker, and whether it's edge or competitiveness or work ethic, what we really talk, what we're really talking about here is we want to get production out of Devonte Parker. On the other end of the ball, Tampa Bay they don't run the ball well either. Um, Doug Martin is a guy that can run the ball, but they've got a shaky offensive line. It hasn't been a lot of space for Doug Martin to work with. You don't have Jameis Winston under center now. You've got Ryan Fitzpatrick. But Ryan Fitzpatrick has some weapons to throw to at his disposal. Uh, Between Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, just two big play guys. Now, Mike Evans is a guy that he's a complete guy. He's a complete receiver. He's kind of what you want Devontae Parker to be. Now, Devontae Parker will never have the girth of a guy like Mike Evans. But as far as the height, the length, the ability to go up and get the ball... Uh, the, the ability to, to make plays even when you're covered, that's what Mike Evans does, and that's what you want Devontae Parker to be on the other end. On the other side is Deshaun, ja- is Deshaun Jackson. He's the big play guy. He's kind of what you thought the Dolphins had in Kenny Stills, and I think that is what the Dolphins have in Kenny Stills. But when you can't protect the quarterback, uh, you're not going to throw a lot of deep balls, so Kenny Stills kind of gets lost in the mix. Um that does not happen all the time 
in in Tampa. At least it wasn't happen when, happening when Jameis Winston was there. When Jameis Winston was there, he was throwing the ball plenty deep to Deshaun Jackson. The problem there was the accuracy was was not always on point. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, now the quarterback, he's not a guy that likes to throw the ball deep. He's more of a of a game manager. Uh, likes to throw the short to intermediate passes. And so you wonder how that affects a guy like Deshaun Jackson. Uh, I think it it benefits the Dolphins because this is a secondary that has been prone to giving up the big play. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, one of those guys that is not, uh, doesn't like to throw the ball deep very much. And so I think it makes it a little bit easier to defend this team. And... Look, they're going to have their hands full with Mike Evans. I think they're going to need to double him. Uh, but but they should, I mean, look, as long as they can cannot give up the big play, uh, they should be able to keep Tampa Bay under 20 in this game. Because Tampa Bay, look, they, they've scored 28 points over the last three games. That's just over nine points a game. Now, granted, the Dolphins have, have given up some big totals to some below-average offenses over the past few weeks. But... Uh, this is the worst one that they've faced, and you would hope at home, let's say, I mean, if you think that the season isn't over, it it is over if they lose this one. If they fall to four and six with the schedule that they have, I mean, they would have to win out the rest of the way, and winning out would include wins, would, would include two games over the Patriots, a game against the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Two games against the Bills and a game over and a game against the Broncos. Um, to me, I look at that schedule and I say, well, at best you're winning three of those, which is why I believe that the season is already over. But if you want to delude yourself, if you want to believe that this season is not yet over, then this game and every game upcoming is a chance to save the season. And so this is a must-win game, and you would hope at home, below-average team coming in, must-win game, that the Dolphins would show up. I'm not certain that they will. Here's my prediction. I think they're helped out by a Tampa Bay team that is reeling, that has had a week of distraction, and I think that this Dolphins team still is clinging to a hope that they can right the ship. I believe they get it done this week. I believe they get a win. I don't say it with a ton of confidence because I don't know how they're going to put it together. I think the most likely way that they put it together is Jay Cutler has a big game throwing to his receivers. I think Devontae Parker has his biggest game of the year. I'm calling for over 100 yards and two touchdowns from Devontae Parker. The defense does enough against an underwhelming offensive attack. I think Cam Wake gets back into the sack column, gets a couple. Uh, I think the Dolphins do something in this game that they haven't done a lot of this year. They've done virtually none of it this year, actually. And that is play with a lead. And I believe that they get it done this week. I believe they start fast. I don't necessarily know that they consistently get the offense going to where they're scoring 30 points. But I think they start fast, the defense holds up, and the Dolphins come away 
with a 23-13 victory at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Be sure to follow us on social media at Same Old Dolphins. Be sure to be rating, subscribing to the podcast, uh, reviewing it, letting us know what you think, whether, uh, you know, let us know what you think through social media. Uh, let us know how, what we can be doing better, uh, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. Let us make this show as good as possible for you, the listener. Also, be sure to check out Bad Bruno at Bad Bruno Punk. They give us our awesome theme song that we use every week. And hopefully, this time next week, we'll be talking about uh, a Dolphins win. Because as much as I believe that the season is over, regardless... It'd be nice to kind of have the argument that the season wasn't over. If they lose this week, this season is over, and there's really nothing that you can say about it. And at that point, this season is not about wins and losses. At that point, this season is just about the moves that need to be made in the offseason. And you hate to be talking about the moves that need to be made in the offseason when you're still just in the month of November. So... For Amplified to Rock, Josh Katzker, I am Aaron the Brain, Aaron Katzker. We'll see you next time on the same old Dolphin show. Let's go, Dolphins. I mean, seriously, let's fucking go.